I'd like to also welcome you here and thank you for coming. You know, God's blessed our church with a lot of good missionaries, but one of my favorites are here today. Amen. Greg and Judy Sermons uh, serve in France, been there for many, many years. And, and I believe if you were to look up in a dictionary the definition of faithfulness, you'll find their picture there. Because they've been faithful over the years and it has not been easy. It's not an easy uh, area to win to Christ, but they've been faithful at it. Many have come to Christ because of them. My wife and I visited them some time ago and got to be a, see the ministry and had a wonderful time with y'all. And they got in late last night and hadn't had much time to chat with them, but looking forward to lunch after the service to catch up with them. But anyway, uh, Greg, if you come on up and turn right over to you, he's going to give an update to his ministry and then a message from God's Word. God bless you, Greg. So glad to have you with us. Thank you very much, David. I really appreciate Dave and Denise. Um, I went to Bible college with Dave. That's been a long time ago. But uh, a long time. So anyway, um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through, um, let me turn this thing on. I'm, I'm going to go through uh, my a PowerPoint presentation of, of what we're doing in France and uh, uh, let you know what kind of what's going on, and then afterwards, I'd like to open the Word of God and share uh, a challenge uh, from the Word of God. Uh, we are Greg and Judy Sermons. Uh, Judy arrived in France in, in 1971, and I arrived in 1978, and we got married in 1980. We spent 20 years together in the city of Montauban in southwest France, and in the year 2000, we moved to north France in the city of Lille. So that's where we are today. Uh, we have two children, and we now have eight grandkids. Uh, our, this is Rebecca with her husband Samuel and their eight kids. Uh, they did have a ninth one they lost a few years ago. But anyway, the latest one is Angeline. She was born August 28th. Now, we went down to Toulouse hoping the baby would be born. But the baby couldn't come yet. We had to go back to Lille to catch our flight out of uh, Brussels on uh, August 29th. So we haven't seen Angeline yet, but she is so cute. Then our son, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, he was in Ireland. He has recently gone to uh, the island of Dominica in the, in the Caribbean. He had this idea he'd take a boat from Ireland and go all the way to Cap um, uh, Verde. And praise God, he lost his mass south of England. Because Judy and I, we were worried. <laughs> All by himself going that far. So then he, he took a plane and went to Dominica, where he, he is now, um, he works on his computer. And uh, uh, he doesn't want to pay as much taxes. And that's the reason he wanted to go elsewhere instead of Europe. We are in France. France is one of the larger countries in Western Europe. When people think of France, they think of the Eiffel Tower, think of Paris. But only one-fifth of the population of France live in the Paris area. Well, the population of over 65 million people, less than 1% is evangelical Christianity. Understand, evangelical Christianity, that's a wide definition. It's a lot of people, a lot of churches that... They don't quite teach the Word of God. So there's about 412,000 evangelicals in France. That's approximately one evangelical type church for every 30,000 people. But understand that out of the French population, approximately one-third will call themselves atheists. God does not exist. About one-third calls themselves agnostic. Agnostic, maybe God exists, maybe not. You can't know. 
And only about one-third believe there is a God. Now, that counts your Muslims and your Jewish and your Jehovah's Witnesses and your Mormons and anybody else to say they believe there is a God. But uh, France is a needy country spiritually. We're in Lille in North France, right on the Belgian border. Lille is a major uh, metropolitan area. It's got a little over a million people in the metropolitan area. And this is our church building, uh, L'Eglise Baptiste. And we also have a small Christian bookstore talk about in a moment. But um, I'm not in agreement with Calvin, but God has a sense of humor. Because on, on, the, on, on the right side, you see that white area. That, that, that's part of our building goes all the way to the street. On the, that street in between there and the other side, the left, it, that's the Catholic um, Presbytery. Anyway, that, that street is called Rue Calvin. And like I said, sometimes I say, what separates us from them was reform. But uh, anyway, uh, France, uh, Lille has a, a history founded in about the 12th century, the old stock exchange, uh, the, the, the Flemish influence, the Beaufort, these big towers. You find several of those in the north of France and several in Lille. But Lille is a modern city. It is a city that has... Um, uh, a lot of buildings and so forth of modern skyscrapers and so forth not really big ones but, but at the same time Lille was uh, a center of, of, of making uh, clothing and so forth and is now uh, more of a commercial area but our message is salvation uh, if you were to die today and Jesus were to ask you why should I let you into my heaven what would you say Si vous mourriez aujourd'hui et que Jésus vous demandait pourquoi devrais-je vous laisser entrer dans mon ciel, que diriez-vous? That's the message we want to share. This is what our typical church service would look like in our church hall. Of course, the preaching and the teaching is the main uh, emphasis, uh, spreading the word of God. Um, I also have a number of Bible studies that I put on the internet with Vimeo and uh, some on, on, on YouTube. But a big part of the ministry is hospitality. You know, when you're dealing with a population that doesn't believe in God, a population that, that is very skeptical, uh, you have to, it takes time. And hospitality is part of reaching these people with, with the gospel. As a matter of fact, the girl that's to the right of Judy in this picture, uh, she is, uh, uh, when we first met her, she said, God doesn't exist. One of the first questions she asked me one day when we first started talking, she said something like, uh, this thing about virgin birth, that's impossible. And I said, well, if you believe that God created the universe, virgin birth, that's nothing. She said, oh, well, that, that, that's a thought. Pray for her. This is Mrs. Pierce's granddaughter. Mrs. Pierce, so we've asked you to pray for her for many years. But she, she passed away a, a, a while back, so she's no longer with us. But we still have a contact with her family. And hospitality, spending time with people, is a key. Jean-Michel and Nicole, uh, this, these were our baker and his wife that lived just right down the street. We became friends with them, and uh, we've shared the gospel many times with them. And they listen. Pray that they'll make that step of faith to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, during the pandemic with COVID, we used um, uh, Skype and uh, Facebook during the COVID lockdown. We had a period we could not meet because of the restrictions. And then once we could, we had to spread the chairs out. 
Well, normally we have about 90 chairs in our church hall, and we can only put about 30. We're putting about a meter between, between everybody. And uh, so what we did in the basement of the church, we took down some partitions and transformed it and, and made it and put the kids down there for like junior church. Um, Leo is also known for the braderie, the flea market. It's the largest flea market in, in Europe uh, the first weekend in September. And uh, when we can, we put out a table with Bibles and Christian literature and try to reach people that way. Another big thing we, we do is a Christmas program. Now, the Christmas program, people in France, they'll come to Christmas or Easter, but the rest of the year, get them to come to church. It's like pulling teeth. It's not easy. But so, so Judy, for example, will organize the choir and the kids will put on plays. But during COVID, uh, we had a problem. We couldn't meet with that many people. So what we did, we put together videos in 2021 and 2020. Um, uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, we recorded, video recorded the, the, a message with the kids doing plays and choir and music and so forth. And we had, we had hundreds of people that, that actually watched the videos. Uh, also, our church, after church, almost every Sunday we have a fellowship. I mean, not, not, not every Sunday, but just about. A group of us stay and we eat together, and this draws the people at church closer together. And then the Bible study. Uh, on Thursday uh, evenings, I do a Bible study. On Tuesday night, we do prayer meeting. Uh, and, of course, planning for, for um, Sunday school. Well, this is right before we flew to coming to the States because we had to organize everything to be done while we while we're gone. You know, it's not easy when, when uh, imagine if your pastor said, I'll be back in three months. <laughs> I mean, you've got a number of people that have different responsibilities, but, um, but anyway, but we praise God for those in our church that do take, take on responsibilities. We have a small Christian bookstore, not much activity with COVID. We haven't done very much, but uh, it's also an opportunity to share the gospel. And also we're involved with a Bible Institute, online Bible Institute, uh, Institute de Formation Biblique Baptiste, Baptist Bible Training Institute. Uh, the students follow courses by video, and we have a number of students that, 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 that follow some courses and a few that, that very seriously are trying to prepare for the, for the ministry. But um, in doing that, we work with Tim and Elizabeth Nickelbacher, and by Skype, on, frequently on a Monday evening, we get together to organize that. Also, we had a wedding not too long ago. This is just a few months ago uh, with Gilbert and Dina. Um, there's a couple in our church uh, and, and who are the parents of Dina, and Dina and Gilbert, they live in Brussels, which is about an hour away from where we live. But... Um, uh, they want to do a wedding, and uh, you know this is the opportunity to share the gospel. You know, people come to a wedding. You know, talk about love. The greatest love is love of Christ for us. But you know, uh, after the, the wedding, the, uh, um, Felix and Amelie's, uh, the, this is the parents, uh, when they got married. Uh, he wasn't a believer, so they didn't have a church wedding. So since then, he's, he's trusted Christ a number of years ago. And uh, so they wanted to, do, uh, to renew their vows before God. And so this was after the wedding of their daughter. In our church, we have these windows where we have placed posters from a Bible exposition. And, and, and these posters, they explain the Bible, where it comes from, who wrote it, 
uh, how it's inspired of God. And of course, the gospel message is included. And uh, sometimes we see people that come through and, and they're sitting there and they're, they're watching it. But, but do pray that uh, they're reading it. Do, do, do pray that this will also be useful. Then um, uh, we were able to purchase, there's four garages right behind our church. We were able to purchase the first three. And the idea is that if our church grows, which we pray it does, then what we could do is buy that fourth garage uh, and, and, and where the square is, we would be able to build in the future a larger sanctuary. Uh, this is just those garages were for sale. We had to buy them now instead of waiting till a later date. Also in that yard next door, uh, this church gave us some money to buy some material for the playground because because that garage were able to now go out from the church into this yard. And uh, this is one of the things that we bought. And uh, the kids, they, they frequently are playing uh, after church while the, the adults are fellowshipping. Camille, she's already trusted Christ when we met her, but her mother lives near uh, a town very close to near our church. Camille lives near Paris, but Camille, uh, when she comes to visit her mother, brings her mother to church. Well, then after a while, we invited them over for dinner. And at the end of that, we got into the gospel and explained from uh, as clearly as we could. And at the end, we had a time of prayer, and her mother prayed to accept Christ, which was really exciting for us. <clears throat> Nathan and Jenny, they're from Madagascar. Nathan is one of our deacons. And uh, Francois Marley. Francois is also another one of our deacons. We have two deacons in our church with their family. Christine, uh, her story is... Uh, a mutual friend that was a member of our church, she passed away, and uh, uh, we had the funeral. And afterwards, Christine invited us to her place, and we got to her place, and there was sitting there on, on, on a table, a Schofield Bible. That's rare in France. And uh, so we started talking to her, and she, she had been reading the Bible. A Christian had given her a Bible, and really she's come to a clear understanding of, of, of salvation now. Uh, Solomon, Solomon, he's from Pakistan, and his father is a pastor in Pakistan. Well, when Solomon went to the university in Pakistan, he got beat up almost every day by the Muslims because he was a Christian. So he came to Western Europe, and uh, he, he's, he came to Lille, and uh, he really wants to serve the Lord. And he's planning on, uh, he finishes his university studies in, in December, and uh, he, he's talking about beginning the Bible Institute in January. Um, I see in him a potential future pastor. Pr- pray for Solomon. He really loves the Lord. Hung Ju, she's from South Korea. Um, uh, she's been helping with the piano. Soyan was our piano player. She's all from South Korea, but she finished her doctorate and is now going back to South Korea. So um, Judy with Young Ju and Christine are now d- doing the piano. Madeline, she's, our, the, the, and Vivian, Ma- Madeline, the lady in the blonde, uh, she is, um, she's the oldest person in our church. And uh, you might pray for her, for her children, that they come to Christ. <clears throat> Rebecca and Yael, Rebecca helps take care of the, of the Sunday school as her sister Esther, which also is very involved with teaching. Uh, what we do during the time of preaching, um, the, uh, the adults take the kids for, for the classes 
if we have 50 people in church, 20 of them are kids. And uh, so, so we have like four groups of Sunday school that we do during the preaching time. And we have several adults that rotate uh, to, to do that teaching. Alex and Jason, she's from Bulgaria. He's English. Um, and they just had a little baby. Just give us some pictures. Uh, Soyan was our piano player. She's going back to South Korea. Then Nadine, she's from um, Cameroon. Well, we have a very international church with people from all over. Mark, uh, he, he is French. Um, this is an older picture, but like I said earlier, we have a lot of kids in our church. We praise God for that. But pray, you know, what we've seen is those kids, they follow Sunday school and all that. But when they get those teenage years, it's a battle. Pray that the, these, that the kids will make it through those teenage years into adulthood, walking with the Lord. Uh, as you know, about a year ago, I had a radiation therapy for my prostate cancer, and uh, it went well. Right now, the PSA is, is uh, the last time was at 0.49, which is very good. Um, but uh, um, the, the Lord is good, and I trust him. Also, we have just purchased, we will pick up tomorrow, this RV in South Georgia. Um, and we'll finish our, our travelings. Pray that we can resell it at the end of our uh, end of November. But I think it's going to be very useful um, as we, we will be traveling. So pray for our work in Lille, France. Pray that God adds to our church that people will come to Christ. We are with Global Faith Mission Agency out of Chattanooga. Um, if you, this is our address, and so forth. Uh, we have a few prayer cards we can share with you if you need them, you like them. Uh, so if you want to keep up with our prayer requests and what's going on, uh, become one of our friends on Facebook. I don't know where this picture is every time I use this picture because it's, it really illustrates to me this situation in France. Why it is the way that leads to destruction. Almost uh, over 99% of the French population have never heard the gospel. They have no idea what salvation is all about. Pray for the French people. Why it is the way of destruction, but narrow. Jesus Christ, he is the way of salvation and eternal life. Open with me in your Bibles. Let me see if I can put this... Open with me in your Bibles... The book of Acts, chapter 11. The early church had a problem. The early church believed, as most of the Jewish people of that period, that God was the God of Israel, and God wasn't the God of the world. And when, um, when you think about for example, in the Bible, you find stories, for example, the Good Samaritan. Why did Jesus pick a Samaritan? Because he wasn't Jewish, and the Jewish people and the Samaritans, uh, they didn't get along. And then uh, you also can think of uh, the Samaritan lady at the well. Another example of, she was surprised. Oh, you're Jewish? I'm Samaritan? Why are you talking to me? But you know, the gospel message is a message for the world. And in Acts chapter 10, we're going to look at chapter 11, but in the preceding chapter, 
it tells a story of Peter that is called and led of the Lord to go to Cornelius and preach the gospel. And Peter said, I, I can't go there. And God said, go. I want us to understand in this passage, Acts chapter 11, that the church needed to learn, they needed to spread, and they reaped blessings. They, verses 118, they needed to learn. 19 to 26, they needed to spread the word. And 27 to 30, they reaped blessings. This is what I'd like to, uh, us to see in this chapter 11 of the book of Acts. And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They weren't happy. These, these pagans, these Gentiles had trusted Christ. Peter, what have you done? That's their attitude. What have you done, Peter? They contended with him. They're unhappy with him. I mean, maybe there's some Americans that think that uh, the gospel's for America. No, it's for the world, for everybody, all over the world. Say, verse 3, saying, thou went into, the, into men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. That's something the Jewish people never did. They didn't sit down at the table with non-Jews. That was, uh, there was, that was a problem. Verse 4, but Peter rehearsed, he went over, the matter from the beginning and expanded, expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, sit praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain uh, vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. So what he's saying is, He's, he's telling what happened in chapter 10. You can go over and read more detail. But he's giving a, a summary of what happened. He was in Joppa, and, and he had this vision of a sheet or coming down. And it had all sorts of animals that the Jewish would not eat. It was against the law, the law of Moses, for which I, uh, I had... Uh, in mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild animals and creeping things and fowls of the air. Wow. He sees this coming down. He's telling them. He's teaching them. He's teaching the, the other disciples, the, 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 the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, of what happened. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, not so, Lord, I don't eat that stuff. Get in mind what's going on. For nothing common or unclean hath any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God hath cleansed uh, that call thou not uh, thou common. It happened three times. In other words, Peter, he, he was there. He was praying, and God tells him in this vision to eat things that he considered unclean. Understand, the Jewish people believed that everybody else was unclean. Everybody else, God isn't their God, he's our God. That's basically what, what's happening. 
Verse 11, And behold, immediately there was three men already come unto my house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. God had appeared unto Cornelius and told him to send messengers to get Peter, Simon Peter, and to bring him back. And so the story goes on that uh, Simon Peter, he, uh, he went with these men. He took six others with him. And uh, in the passage, uh, these Gentiles had their Pentecost. And what God's saying, uh, they are part of the church because they believe. It was a sign to, they received this sign that these people were also to be accepted. Verse 17, for, for as much then as God gave them the, the, the like gift as he did unto us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Peter's saying, listen, God did it. God showed, God spoke. I can't argue with God. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then God, uh, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. This was a learning experience. And sometimes God has to speak to our hearts and teach us what we should be doing, because sometimes we're not doing what we should be doing. And reaching the world with the gospel is something that Christians need to learn. And I'm sure Dave here, your pastor and others, teach you about missions. Praise God. But you know, there's a lot of churches that missions isn't necessarily important to them. I think we should learn from this this passage that God wants to reach everyone with the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he arose from the dead. And that when we believe on him by faith, we receive salvation, we become children of God. Well, what was the results of this? Verse 19 to 26, that it was a spreading of the word. It began to spread. Verse 19, and now they which were scattered abroad uh, upon the persecution that arose about Stephen uh, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Up until then evangelization had only been by the apostles, by the early church, had only been to the Jews. The gospel is the power of God to salvation of the Jew first and then the Gentile the Greek. Verses 20 and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake uh, unto the, 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 the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. These people, they heard the good news, the preaching of the gospel. When they heard it, the gospel is spreading, and people are are, are, are turning to Christ, and they're seeing the work of God. Verse 22, Then tidings of these things came upon the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. They're going to send 
Barnabas. A little bit later, they sent Barnabas and Saul uh, from, uh, from Antioch. But here the, the, they come, he comes, and who then came and has seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and, and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. See the events taking place. The gospel is going to spread. Barnabas is going to go get Saul. And later Saul is going to become Paul, which is going to become the, the, uh, the, the evangelist, the apostle for the non-Jewish world. Understand also in this passage that the apostle Paul gave us much of the New Testament. What would have happened if Barnabas hadn't gone to Antioch and hadn't gone to, 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 afterwards to Tarsus to get Saul, what would have happened if he had not been faithful doing what he had been taught to do? Spreading the word of God. <clears throat> Verse 26, And then when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled to get, uh, themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. They had gone, they had learned, the word had spread. Do we have at heart reaching the entire world with the good news of Jesus Christ? This is what they were being taught. They were seeing that by it was spreading. And you know, at the end of this chapter, there's something interesting. The third point is they receive blessing. Understand, I believe that churches and Christians that care about reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, that God blesses them. In this passage, verse 27 to 30, and in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Clodius Caesar. In other words, there's going to be a famine. There's going to be problems. You know, we live in a world today that uh, things... We don't know where things are going. But, you know, what happened? There's going to be a famine. What should they do? Verse 29, And then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send uh, relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. In other words, they had sent Barnabas. They had been spreading the, the, the gospel to the, beyond the Jewish community. And when they had a problem, God blessed them. These new Christians at Antioch were now sending to be a blessing to the Christians in Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, understand that God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God says, 
and Acts, you, you shall be witnesses in J J Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to understand that the gospel message needs to be spread. You need to spread the gospel around you. You have neighbors, you have friends, you have family, you have co-workers, you have people you, you run into. You should be spreading the gospel. The church should be a, a light in the community of the good news of Jesus Christ. And each one of us are responsible to be a missionary where we are. And then God sends some, like Barnabas, elsewhere in order to spread the gospel beyond the borders of Jerusalem. Let me ask you, are you doing that? Are you involved with reaching your community? Are you concerned about, do you pray for missions? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. The laborers are few. The fields are wide unto harvest. We have a, I'd like to leave you with this challenge. Spread the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And I want to thank you for your part of reaching a small part of France with the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I think I still have a few minutes. Uh, I didn't think I'd have time for questions, but maybe I can take two or three questions. Yes. How has the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine the situation in Europe, is that affecting anything for your uh, the prices, all the things that are Yeah, well, the, the, our, our, our gas, the, the gas for heating the house, electricity, gas prices of the car, already expensive, up, up. Um, uh, I, I heard the French president and recently announcing that uh, he's recommending that you don't heat your house above, uh, he said, 19 degrees centigrade, which is a little below 70 of this winter. Um, uh, th th there, are there are things going on, and I think the people in Europe are trembling that this, this war might, might go beyond um, Ukraine. But God knows, I don't. But... Uh, but prices are, inflation is as bad there as it is here. Our prices are going up like, like um, COVID, things weren't being produced. Like the government here, they put out lots of money. When there's lots of money and few goods, prices go up. And, and, and we're seeing it. Anybody else? Any more questions? Going once? Going twice, Dave. Um, we're paying probably about twice as much as you are here. Uh, it's a euro ninety about a liter. Uh, right now the euro and the dollar are about key, about an equal. So that's uh, three and a half times one point nine. You come up pretty close between six and seven dollars a gallon. Yes. What do you suppose is the reason that they? become atheistic or embrace atheism, uh, I presume there's a real turnoff by the Catholic Church, mm. but are there other factors that 
make them move in that direction. And when you talk to an atheist, how receptive are they are to just talking about what might be just another philosophy in their idea? Um, that's a big question. I could, I could go on for an hour. Uh, I believe history, history explains a lot of that. Um, during the Middle Ages, you had the Catholic Church and the, and, and the uh, Catholic Church, the royalty, hand in hand with abuse of the population of uh, the very rich and very poor. And when the French Revolution took place, uh, it was not just against the royalty, but also against the church, uh, against the Catholic Church, because of, of the hypocrisy and so forth. Um, uh, the Catholic Church and the royalty had persecuted the Protestants. And at one time, one-third of the French population were Reformed Protestant. Now, true born-again believers, God knows how many, but there were uh, true born-again believers. Uh, they were persecuted. Many of them reconverted to the Catholic faith to save their skin. Many of them. But when they reconverted to the Catholic faith, they didn't really, they compromised. And some of their descendants became some of those humanistic philosophers, some of them, not all of them, became some of the, the backing of some of the humanistic philosophers where everything's relative and, uh, and all, all this type of thing. Um, the, the history explains how France came to this place. In the 1968, with the, with, um, uh, the, the, the things that were going on in 1968, it was like, uh, the, the, in mass, the Catholic in France abandoned the church. Today, there's about 5% of the population practice the Catholic faith, even though over 65% will call themselves Catholic. I mean, so... It, 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 what, instead of turning to God, they turn to humanism, <clears throat> and, and, and that's the, the problem. <clears throat> to, re, <clears throat> to reach the atheist, there's all sorts of arguments you can make. Some will listen, some will not. Um, you've got to show them love and the, the, the reality of God in your own life. Uh, that's that's why making sometimes it takes years, sometimes for French people to. To, to, to come to Christ. Yes? Is Macron um, friendly to the church, or is he atheistic as well? He's atheistic. I mean, uh, he might not say it openly, that, uh, directly, but he, he's in that atheist agnostic. Uh, he is Catholic in name only. Um, in, in France, the church is... Uh, the, uh, Bible-believing church is such a small per- percentage of the population that uh, it's almost like the, 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 it's easy for them to ignore us. We have a lot of freedom. That, that's good. Um, they did pass a law for, forbidding homeschooling. Uh, that, that's pretty recently. Our daughter's been homeschooling, and uh, they're giving a grace period for, her, her, for all the homeschoolers to adapt. The excuse was there's a thousand Muslims being homeschooled. They're going to become radical. Don't worry about the 49,000 other people that are being, kids are being homeschooled. It was a pretext. Um, We have a lot of freedom. Um, They did change some of the the laws for dealing with the taxes and all that for for churches to make it more difficult. Again, they're using it because... uh, uh, they want to limit what the Muslims are doing, but that applies to everybody. But anybody else? 
What took you to your present city? Pardon? What took you to your present city? Um, we were 20 years in, in Montauban, in southwest France, and uh, I was involved with the Bible Institute in Paris. Uh, the, the, the church that started at Lille, where we are now, uh, there was the pastor there wanted to go to a different city, and, and he had a, um, a guy that just finished the Bible Institute that was from Marseille in South France, and he wanted to be closer to Marseille. Um, so uh, the Lord just sort of opened the door for us to go to Lille, and Didier went to Montauban, and Olivier went to uh, this other city where he, he, he had at heart. And uh, it was like the Lord just led it that way. I mean, it just worked out. And uh, we've been there for over 20 years now. Um, and the Bible Institute eventually moved from Paris to, to Lille and has now evolved into an online school. Um, it, after 20 years in Multiply, I really felt a need to, to change. And I felt the church needed to change. And that change opened up uh, in the year 2000. We moved to, into the north of France. I think my time is about up, so thank you very much. If you have any more questions, uh, uh, Judy, my wife, is here. And I, I talked to her and myself uh, afterwards, and we're, we really do appreciate you guys, and thank you very much.